2: You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 156. Today, we are talking about Hamilton the Musical, and we have all now watched the film version that is on Disney Plus. So, we are super excited to be talking about Hamilton today. Before we get started, we want to remind you to check out our website, unabridgedpod.com. We have content coming out there every day. Well, almost every day. So on Mondays, we have a bookish fave where we curate lists of books for you or sometimes just bookish things. On Tuesday, we have our pub day shout outs where we highlight some new releases. Wednesdays, we have our show notes for our episodes, and then on Fridays, we have our book reviews. So we would love for you to check out our content and to participate in some discussions. You can comment there or on social media. All right, well, we are going to get started with our bookish check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? I am reading Lindy West's The Witches Are Coming,
0: and I spoke about her most recent book, a little while back, it is called S Word Actually, and it's actually the real S Word, but we do not like to put it explicit on our podcast, so we'll just go with S Word. And so I knew that I really liked that, and she read that one. And so I decided that I wanted to read something else of hers. I just really enjoy her. She's just so intelligent, and I just enjoy her delivery so much, and I like the way that she can talk about controversial things, hard things, but also she can sprinkle in really hilarious and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, inconsequential things, but she has an opinion on it and she's great to give it. So I started this and she, like I said, she reads the audiobook and what I find, especially with her, is I don't agree with everything that she says, but I so appreciate her perspective. And what I've learned, especially doing the podcast and reading more broadly and having conversations about books and things with people, is that I have really learned to appreciate perspectives that are maybe not necessarily my own, but also give me a chance to reconsider how I view the world. And I think she does a really good job of doing that. And I think that her, in this book, she talks about, it's a lot of political stuff. And I mean, if you are not into politics, it might, it's probably not yours, not for you. And she is very, she is, it is not a bipartisan book. It is very, you know, she is a, she's a proud feminist. She's a proud Democrat. And she is, She does not waver in that, but I just really appreciate her perspective and her humor, and she's just so smart, and she knows her stuff, so if you enjoy nonfiction and if you enjoy hearing other perspectives that might be the same as your own or different, I think this is the book for you. And I mean, again, I just cannot say enough about how smart she is and also how unapologetic she is. And I really admire that in people being able to say what you feel and believe with conviction and unapologetically. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I just finished it. So that is Lindy West's The Witches Are Coming. Yeah. That sounds
1: great. I love her shrill, but mm-hmm.
0: I have not read that one yet. I'm like great. going
2: in reverse order cuz I read
0: <laughs> the first one, now I read this and now I have shrill on hold at the uh-huh. library. So yeah.
2: you're going to love shrill. That's I, the first thing of hers I read. I really enjoyed it.
0: And she actually talks some in the witches are coming about shrill. I mean, she is very body positive. She is a proud, she calls herself fat. She's a proud fat person and she talks about that in the book and I thought that was really an interesting it was interesting when she talks about like how like meetings went and press went for Mm -hmm. shrill when she was in the room and elizabeth banks elizabeth banks produced the show but lindy wrote it and it was just really interesting to hear her perspective and how people treated them and I don't know. It was just, it's just, it's just a pact. There's a lot of stuff packed in it and it is not very long. So sorry if I was too long winded, but anyway, that was Wendy West's The Witches Are Coming. (laughs) That sounds great. Ashley, what are you reading? So I just started
1: Frederick Bachman's Anxious People. This one is his newest and was made available on the ALC program with Libro FM. And I was really excited to see it on there. I've been anticipating getting to it. I absolutely love all the books I've read of his. I think that he has his finger on the pulse of what makes people human and the ways that we can and cannot connect to others because of that. And I just think he's really insightful and I'm always moved by his books. And I will say on the podcast way, way, way back in the very beginning, one of our very first episodes was my first one to read of his we did. My grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. I think it was our first episode. That was our very first. It's in the vault. Yeah.
0: And and, thank um, goodness. Thank goodness. Has (laughs) terrible
1: sound quality. But anyway, I have a warm spot in my heart for that reason as well, because that was a new author for me that the podcast opened up. And so, anyway, this one, (laughs) that was a little rambly, but anyway, I really love Frederick Bauman. This one is right away you know about two major events. The first event was 10 years prior, and it took place when a teenager saw a man on a bridge getting ready to jump. The teenager tries to intervene. The man and the teenager have a conversation. Teenager thinks the man is going to step back, and the man jumps. So that really impacts the teenager's life. And then you fast forward to 10 years later to the present time, the teenager is now in his 20s, he's a cop, and he works with his dad, who is also a police officer. And so it's the two of them, and there is a bank robbery gone awry that results in a hostage situation. And so those two things are happening kind of at the beginning of the story. And the hostage situation, you can tell right away that none of it was planned as things are unfolding, that it wasn't anticipated by the bank robber that any of that would come about. But it was kind of a moment of panic. And so it leads to this. And they're in this tiny town. So it's something that is totally different for them as police officers than what they're used to navigating. And what I really love right at the beginning is Jim and Jack are the father and son. And I love seeing right from the start, the dynamics between them and the ways that they care for each other, but that they also struggle with their relationship as all people do. And I just think that's what he does so well is drilling down to these moments that happen and then unpacking all the things that that shows about people and about society. And I just love that. I'm here for that. So again, it's Frederick Bachman's Anxious People I haven't read or haven't listened to very much of it yet, but I am really enthralled with it and see a lot of unfolding that's
2: similar to what I've loved from his other work. I have that one on my shelf, and I just haven't gotten to it yet, so I can't wait.
1: It's great so far. What about you, Jen? What are you reading?
2: So I am reading Nancy Ju-Yoon Kim's The Last Story of Mina Lee. This is a buddy read, so I'm I'm under deadline here. But this one, it it is really, really good. So it starts with Margot, who is Mina Lee's daughter. And Margot is helping her friend Miguel move. And on the way to his new town, they're going to stop and see her mom. And she has not been able to get a hold of her mom for a couple of weeks on the phone. And so she's a little worried, but she doesn't really think much of it. And when they stop by her mother's apartment, they find her dead on the floor.
1: Mm. And
2: so... Obviously, Margo is very upset and is dealing with the natural grieving that's happening. But then she also realizes that there are things about her mother that she doesn't know. So her mother had immigrated to the United States in her 40s from Korea and had Margot. And Margot never knew her father, doesn't really know anything about her father. And is curious both about her mother's past and about some things that are unexplained in her mother's present. The story alternates between Margot's sort of investigation and Mina's story in 1987 right after she had moved to the US when we sort of see things unfolding and we start to understand, you know, who Margot's I have a guess who Margot's father is, who Margot's father might be and how she's adjusting to the life in the United States. So it is just really, really compelling. I think it also says a lot of really interesting things about the immigrant experience. Mina, when she dies, so she's much older, still does not speak fluent English, but she had for one of her jobs learned Spanish. And so she talks a lot about the language that she wants to pick up and which language is more important and that process of learning a new language. And there's a lot for Margot in... She felt like her childhood was very lonely growing up only with her mother and comes to realize that her mom was also very lonely and Margot is exploring the reasons for that. So there's just, it's a very quotable book. I find myself marking all of these quotations that are just expressing these really complex ideas about what it means to be an American and what it means to be an immigrant. And yeah, just how that has changed or maybe not changed since 1987. So I'm about halfway through, there's still a lot of the mystery to unfold, but I am really enjoying that reading experience.
1: That sounds great. Yeah. Wow.
2: I will be happy to pass it on if someone wants to read it when I am done. All right. Well, we are going to shift now. Get ready to Hamilton. So I (laughs) I feel like I have been talking about this one for a long time on the podcast. So you're all probably tired of hearing me talk about it. So yeah, Ashley and Sarah get to talk about it now. All right, Ashley, we are going to start with overall impressions. Ashley, what did you think? So I am
1: the newest of the newbies to this and was so excited when it came to Disney Plus. I was, I remember being so far behind that with this whole, like that it had come out and that it was so amazing. I was so far behind that. I remember at some point making some passing comments Comment about, like, what is this? Like, what is happening? (laughs) I remember that. And my partner being like, Have you had your head in the sand for a year? Because, you know, or however long he was like, You've had all this time to figure out that this thing is happening, and it's like right up my alley. So then he was like, How did you totally miss that this movement is happening? It's a phenomenal show and you just had no idea. And I had no idea. So that's okay. That happens to me with pop culture sometimes. <laughs> and, and I'm glad that I finally came around. So I was really excited when it came to Disney Plus and then still had not prioritized watching it. It's I have very little kids and we are, you know, navigating the pandemic. And so three and a half hours was hard to come by. So I was very thankful and excited to have this episode because that helped me to make <laughs> time for what was a phenomenal show. So yeah, I mean, my overall impression was that it lives up to the hype. I think that it's been a long time since I've seen any live theater, like like a lot of people. And it even watching it on the screen, it just reminded me of how immersive the live experience is and how musicals are so phenomenal because they stay with you. Like I've only seen it the one time. I haven't been listening to the soundtrack over and over, but a lot of the lyrics are still in my mind. It was, you know, you dream about it at night. I mean, it's just that really immersive experience, which especially these days I can really appreciate. So yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. I'm looking forward to talking about some favorite parts, but I think... Overall, I was embarrassed by how little I knew about the time period. I learned a lot of things. I did a lot of Googling while we were watching (laughs) of things. I was like, is that true? Did that really happen? (laughs) And just had no idea. You know, for one thing, I had no idea about the time span of a lot of what happened. So when the declaration was signed and how long a lot of that struggle continued after, I just really knew very little about that. It, it made me realize that I haven't read. I often learn about history through literature. It made me realize that I haven't read a lot from that time period. So yeah, all of that was really fascinating. And then I just absolutely loved all the music and the way that things were put together. All I mean, all of that was just, yeah. Awesome.
0: Yay.
2: Sarah, how about you?
0: Oh, I loved it so much. And I feel like Ashley was referencing me about the soundtracks because I revealed right before, <laughs> right before we started that I've listened to, you know, I, I had heard Jen rave about it and I'd, I heard a lot of people about work, at work rave about it. And the thing, it, it felt really inaccessible to me because my husband is not someone who's going to want to go to the theater. He's not going to want to go to New York city. So we would probably wouldn't take a family trip to do something like that. And I just felt like it was out of, I just didn't pay much attention to it because I just felt like it was kind of out of my, it was just out of my reach. So then when it came to Disney plus in July, I was so excited because I love theater and Jen had raved about it so much. And I just, I love the actors who are, part of the original cast. So I was so excited. So I have absolutely loved it. I've watched it three times all the way through and listened to the soundtrack probably six times all the way through. So I feel like I told that I told Jen and Ashley a while back that I feel like when I listen to the soundtrack, it's like listening to an audiobook. And it really helps th- I think that listening to the soundtrack helps me better understand the play when I'm watching because mm-hmm. sometimes I don't catch all the lyrics when I'm watching the the actual stage show. But in the, the soundtrack, I do catch all the lyrics and I've listened to it so many times. I understand it. So I just I think it's fabulous. I love it. I also did not know a lot about the the history and which is incredibly embarrassing. Uh, I didn't know a lot about Alexander Hamilton and I too was Googling to to see what was true and what was not. And I just thought it was amazing. So my overall impression is that it is fantastic. I feel like really you know, connected and to the original cast. Like I just can't imagine watching it without the original cast now. I think because I think if I've gone to see the stage show and hadn't seen it with the original cast and also hadn't watched it over and over in such a short amount of time, I would not feel that way. But now I I just, I mean, it's all those people. I need to see all of them. And I could go, I just watched it over the weekend and I could have watched it right from the beginning because every time I watch it, I see something just different. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I loved it. I think it's amazing. I think it is like a, an incredible piece of art. And I cannot believe. I'm just in awe of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> I'll just stop gushing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jen? You started us with yes. this overall impressions.
2: Yeah. So I, well, I love it. Obviously, I, I talk about it. I am mildly obsessed. I'm not mildly obsessed. I am obsessed, period. Uh, So I I think that, okay, let me start over. So my history with it is I became really fascinated by the footage of Lin-Manuel Miranda performing the first song from the show, Alexander Hamilton, when it was still supposed to just be a mixtape, the Hamilton mixtape, when he performed it for the Obamas and that that was all he had was this single song and this loose idea that he might make a mixtape out of it. And so I watched that footage on YouTube pretty obsessively for a while and was like, you know how on YouTube there are always the suggested videos. So then I would watch all the suggested videos and I was like, I really need to learn more about this. So I was looking back in my orders and I ordered the book Hamilton the Revolution on June 12, 2016. And that is what really started My obsession, obsession. So I remember I sat down with the soundtrack on my phone and the book in front of me that has all the lyrics because I wanted to know every word. And Kirk, my husband, saw me and he became intrigued. So then he became obsessed. And then the boys saw us. So they wanted to read it, which, you know, there there are some issues with that, but... They love it too. For our anniversary, my husband surprised me with tickets to go see the show on Broadway. So Kirk and I went to see the show on Broadway, which was absolutely phenomenal. We did not see the original cast. And I had those same nerves because I thought, you know, by that point, I don't even know how many times I'd listened to the soundtrack by that point. And I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear someone else's voice, someone else's rhythm, someone else's emphases, but it was brilliant. It was amazing. I will say I didn't love all of the casting. There were a couple of characters, I will not name names, who's the actors I did not love. But just the experience was so amazing and being in that space and being able to see what they were doing with the stage and the choreography and the clever way they use that central. There's a rotating panel on the stage. The clever way they use that. The way they use the costuming and the way the dancers just become a part of of the story of it, I just think is brilliant. And so there's so much you can get from the soundtrack, but you can't get all of that until you see it. So then we took our boys to see it at the Kennedy Center. Again, that was another new cast. And it was also just as amazing. And it's so interesting that the characters are so rich that I think they can withstand multiple interpretations. So I think that's a really amazing thing when you think about Lin-Manuel Miranda's brilliance, that he was able to create these characters who can come to life in so many different ways. So then of course I was so excited when I saw it was gonna be on Disney Plus. And I think watching it with the close-ups and with Tommy Kail, the director's knowledge of little moments to pick up with the camera, There are little subtleties that it's hard to see. You know, we didn't have, we are not super (laughs) wealthy people, so we did not have close seats. So there are things you miss in the back of the theater. You get the scope of it, but not the up-close details. And so to have the opportunity to see that is remarkable. I think we're so fortunate to be able to watch this. And I love hearing the actors talk about the fact that they're so glad more people can see it, that it's more accessible in ways that it's not when it is on Broadway and it's very expensive. And if you can't travel, you can't get there. And so I just think it's an amazing thing that they agreed to have it filmed and to have it put on Disney plus so that everyone can enjoy it. So, sorry, that was really, that was a long monologue, but I've been waiting for this for (laughs) a (laughs) long (laughs) time. All right. Well, we are going to try to talk about what worked for us and not Just gush all over the place again. So if each of us can think about one thing that worked for us, and I haven't chosen mine yet, so this is pressure I'm putting on myself here too. Uh, Sarah, what is one thing that worked for you?
0: Of all the million things that worked (laughs) for me, I'm going to choose one. And the thing that I'm going to choose is the portrayal of women in the musical. I And in the music and like featuring the women in several songs and because in that time period women didn't have a lot of agency but those women but I felt like the way that they were written they seemed really strong and independent especially Angelica I loved her mm-hmm. and I think the actress who played her was phenomenal I yeah. I mean she just I'm going to talk about she's in one of my moments that I love but I, so I'm going to talk about that then, But I mean, I just thought that all the women, mostly Eliza and Angelica, they were just I mean, they were really stood out to me. And I just when they're on the screen, I'm just captivated in that. And I think that the actresses who portray them, they just see they just have a connection. And I don't know. I just loved, loved that. And I loved how Eliza was a r- really strong even when she sings burn after mm. Hamilton, she's learned about the pamphlet and that, that Hamilton is cheated and all of that. And I mean, she is just so stoic and, and she doesn't let him off. And I just, I don't know. I just loved all that. I love the women. So mm-hmm. that's my, what worked for what that, what, what one thing that worked for me. <laughs> I just feel like I just keep meaning to say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, how about you?
1: Yeah, it is hard to narrow it down. And I almost chose when we talk about our favorite songs. I mean, the first song with the women, I almost chose because I felt like that was so impactful to me to see them come out. But I think that related to that, what I really loved that is, again, one, one of many, many things that I think worked really well is the framing of the time period. And I feel like I was really impressed at how it is such a tumultuous time, it is war, and yet they also captured throughout the play the excitement of living through that era. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really cool and really neat to see, unpack, and to see the way that the vibrancy of the time is part of the entire play And I love that also because we are living through what is definitively a very historical time and will undoubtedly, I mean, politically, socially, with the pandemic, so health-wise, all of that will undoubtedly be a huge part of human history. And when you are in in the grind of it, it just doesn't feel great. And Mm -hmm. so I think it was really amazing to me. It was particularly when Eliza and Angelica were singing about how excited they were to to be living through that time. That really meant a lot to me. It really meant a lot to me. It was helpful to think about, it made me think about what we are going through in a new perspective that I appreciated. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that really worked for me. And then also was something that was really well done in the play. And kind of different than like the main Mm storyline of Alexander Hamilton's life. So what about you, Jen? What's one thing you're going to (laughs) choose?
2: You know, this is tough for me. I never like choices. I think there are some performances and some elements that are showier than others. And I love them all. But I think what I've come to appreciate is what a deep bench this show has, both in actors and in characters. And when I was rewatching it this last time to prep for this episode... I was just so focused on George Washington and Chris Jackson's portrayal of him and what George Washington in the play says about government and about the role of leaders. I mean, for obvious reasons, I'm thinking currently about government and leadership and what that means so much. And when he sings about history has its eyes on you and when he sings the song about giving up the presidency and that that is what is going to make the country stronger is that ability to show the country that it can move on from him. Mm -hmm. I just, Oh my gosh, I'm getting choked up right now. I just think I didn't appreciate Chris Jackson for a long time because I don't think that role is the showiest role in the, in the play. I think he does a lot of really subtle things, but the way he builds that character to be a character of dignity And, and I have heard him talk about wrestling with the fact that George Washington was a slave owner. And so I think that's, sorry, this is the second thing that I didn't mean to open up. I'm just going to say, I think the acknowledgement of the complications of these people that none of them is portrayed as being perfect. Even the play may idealize them compared to what they were in real life. But I do think in two and a half hours, we get a lot of nuance. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think Chris Jackson's George Washington on the stage has so much nuance and just has a message that I needed, yeah, I needed to hear right now about people who lead to serve others and who lead out of a sense of obligation and the thought that they can be helpful, but that they are not the only answer to the question. So yeah, that that is just really resonating for me right now. Yeah, the whole play is just very resonant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and during this time watching it, and yeah, it was interesting to prep for today. I watched this interview that came out with Robin Roberts for a, a, several of the cast members and for Tommy Kale, the director, and Lynn Manuel Miranda. And Renee Elise Goldsberry, who plays Angelica, was talking. So she had a baby right before the show started on Broadway. And she talks about her son growing up with the show and what it meant at the beginning and what it means now and that he kind of remembers Obama being president, but it's sort of foggy. And he kind of remembers his mom being in Hamilton, but it's sort of foggy. And she just said with the release of it on Disney Plus, it's like he can see these things that make him hopeful again and make her hopeful again. And she said it's they've been having these conversations. So I think that's something I've appreciated as well, Though there are parts that I don't talk to my children about that are very awkward, but there are parts of the play that I just love to have conversations with my boys about. And then I think we've had, yes, yeah, some just great discussions. So, all right. So we are going to talk now about favorite scene. And I have I was doing a good job and now I've forgotten who's supposed to go first next. I think it's Ashley. So Ashley, what is your favorite scene? Yeah. So I told them before we started
1: that sometimes it's hard when you are so – my depth of knowledge extends to one watching (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> so it is very tough. I just want to say at this moment, as we move forward and talk about favorites, that this feels very superficial for me to pick one thing right now, because I just don't know it at the depth to be able to speak to it in the same way. But like I said before, I was just really moved by the whole experience. And I am not while I love theater, I am not much of a TV person at all. I'm not a big movie person. Even movies are really impactful. I I just don't love them the way I do live theater. But I felt very connected to this the whole time, you know, so I chose the scene, I, I had to look it up, I did not know. <laughs> um, but I, I chose this scene that apparently is called nonstop. But it's the one right before intermission. And I think, for one thing, I am always here for the parts of musicals where everyone is on the stage and where it is pulling together a lot of the threads that happen in those smaller scenes. And so this is that kind of scene. And I think that's why it was so impactful to me. And also because I felt like it captured what I was saying about the essence of the time and just that you could feel all these tensions and all these complicated people making complicated choices. And yet you could also feel the hope of the era and the desire for change. And so I loved all of that. But I also loved the way that it in the lyrics and in what was happening that it brought up a lot of Hamilton's, the complexities of him as a person, and the ways that those are both positive and negative. I mean, the things that he, that was something else I really love about the play in general is just the way that his single-mindedness is really serving of the way that he was able to accomplish so many things, but it also has these horrible side effects. And that was true of so many of the things that that I think that they bring to light where he is, I mean, his, un, you know, his relentlessness, I mean, all that stuff that I think just made him such a phenomenal person, but also that cost him a lot. And so I think that I a lot of that was coming together there. I mean, that's where you start to see more of the tension between Burr and Hamilton arising and the criticism and the jealousy. And so I just love the way all those things were coming together at
0: that time.
2: Yeah, that's such a great number. Ugh. All right, Sarah. How about you? What's your favorite scene? What is one of your favorite scenes?
0: Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm starting to feel like you, Jenna. I'm like, please don't don't nail me down. <laughs> this is really hard because I'm, I just love all the scenes, but I think that when, like, when Lafayette, Hamilton, Mulligan, and La- Lawrence. When they are together on stage, those actors have so much chemistry. So I'm choosing when they do the story of tonight and the first the first rendition, when they are on this cusp of this revolution and they, and I think also, I, I feel like I'm going to get to them <laughs> too, Jen. But I just think also like seeing them and knowing how they support each other and love each other in that moment and them being out with their friends and having a drink and like toasting to freedom and stuff like that. I just it really resonates with me right now because I can't do that with my friends. And they like I said, they just I think, like you said, Jen, getting the close-up of those characters when they are saying those things to each other and they are just, they are just so excited that they are a part of this revolution and that they are going to fight for freedom. And I don't know, I just, that every time that they, every time I was trying to think of what I was going to say for this, like that just kept popping up in my mind. And also I just have to say when David Diggs is on the <laughs> stage, I am, I mean, I'm all about that. I love to watch him. I love to watch him I mean, he just, his whole, like his little pinky
2: is, Mm -hmm, you know,
0: like he just is in it. And I, I think that the whole cast is amazing, but I just find when he's on stage, I am like looking at him to see what he is doing because he is just, he's hilarious for one thing and he just brings so much charisma. So I, so that's my choice is the story of tonight. I think that that friendship is really special there in the beginning. And then, them fighting for this common cause, it puts, it kind of makes the hairs on my arms stand up when I like watch that. So that's mine. What about you, Jen? What's yours?
2: Yeah, this was a tough choice. So I am going to say, and this is a little bit cheating, but I really do think of these as one scene. So I promise I'm not trying to cheat, but helpless and then satisfied. I think when you see Eliza meeting Alexander Hamilton, from her perspective, and then you get that brilliant reversal and you see it from Angelica's perspective. I just love, I love that whole part of the whole play, right? That we are seeing Aaron Burr's view that he is as empathetic as Hamilton that you can see why. So I think that that is something Miranda does so well through the whole play is you understand every side. And I think when you see their love for each other And what Angelica does for her sister, I also think, okay, and this is one thing. I heard this on Pop Culture Happy Hour first before I watched the movie, and I have to say it. So the way that they do the lights in the movie when they do that reversal is cool, but that does not happen on the stage. And the thing I don't love about it is it gives the impression that there's some sort of special effect involved. But all of that reversal is what they do on the stage. And it looks just that amazing. Like it really looks like somebody hit rewind on a VCR. Like it is just, I don't know how they do it. (laughs) Uh Many, many hours of rehearsal, but that whole scene and the way they use again, that, that beautiful circular center. And I remember in Miranda's book about writing this, he talks about how Angelica's part where she goes from rapping to singing is one of the hardest parts in the play, just from a technical perspective. She is rapping fast. Like if you've tried to rap along with it, which I have, (laughs) it's really hard and I cannot sing we're gonna need video footage right and I definitely can't sing those notes but I mean it is just the range required the talent required and she is acting her tail off in every moment of that song yeah you just see the different strengths that you were talking of Sarah the the different types of strength that those two women have and the way that they are bonded and support each other yeah I just think it's great
0: And I have to say when I was doing my third rewatch and watching like for like little things this time, that scene, there are two things that I don't even remember recalling like from when my, First two watches. And one is when they are doing the wedding simulation, and Mulligan is the yes. flower girl yes. or the flower person. <laughs> that is the best thing ever. And then when Eliza says yes, and Lynn Manuel Miranda does yes. this little dance with the legs and stuff, I was, I mean, that is what is so brilliant, I think, is that this is such a serious play and like such a monumental time in our history. But the way that he puts in these like, little jokes and the actors are playing these like doing these things that are just just so funny and i i loved it so like that scene i think is really awesome because there's just so much happening mm-hmm. that you don't get to see it all in one watch yeah. and i really
2: like that yeah yep yeah all right so we are going to now talk about most emotional moments so sarah what is the most emotional moment for you
0: Oh, <laughs> so I have to say that Philip's death is emotional, but then the subsequent emotion and grief that Eliza and Hamilton experience and in it, in it, that is like kind of culminated in its quiet uptown is s- extremely emotional for me. L- the lyrics and just seeing a struggle and the and just the, the symbolism in the song about how about how it's quiet uptown and about how they've moved and how the lyrics describe Alexander Hamilton versus how we have known him up until that point. I just thought that was so emotional. That is the one that I cry every time I watch it. And I just think the actors are brilliant in it. But the other thing, the other one that I wanted to say is the moment, the for me, that was an emotional moment. It is not like a sad moment, but it's like this triumphant moment because I get, get so mad at, at Hamilton when he cheats on Eliza because she's just so good. And when Angelica comes back from London and Alexander assumes that she is coming back for him, and she is like, "No, I'm not." I, and she says about her sister and about how she's so kind and pure, and that she is always going to be there for her. I mean, it's that other thing like that thing about the the support and like how strong these women are. So when Lynn manuel Miranda and Renee Lee scolds Barry, when they are face to face, I mean, they are so close. And she, like you said, she, when she was talk when you were talking about hopeless and satisfied, she is acting her tail off. I mean, she is so indignant. And she is right in his face. I mean, that was pretty emotional too for me. So Mm -hmm. I cheated. There was
2: originally a song there Mm -hmm. that they cut and it's not very good. But there was originally a whole song that she sang about not being there for him. And she basically goes off on him. But it's definitely, I think, more impactful the way it is. It's so succinct,
0: but it is so powerful.
2: Mm -hmm. Ashley, how about you?
0: So for me...
1: Well, if we're, since Sarah said two, I'm going to say two. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about the one that was most impactful to me for sure emotionally was Philip's death. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I think the thing that I did not expect but really appreciated that also hit a chord for me was when Burr and Hamilton were the only ones on the stage. And it was them and their legacy and their children and their love for their children. And I think it's what you said before, Jen, about the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda is able to show the humanity of even the kind of villains in the play that we see there, how similar they are. And I think that is really remarkable. So all throughout the play, it's accentuated this the way that they are different as people, as politicians, as writers, as people who express and don't express their opinions. I mean, all that. But then in that moment, it is two fathers who care for their children. And I think that was really, I loved that. I love the staging of it. I love the way that it came together. But I wanted to share about, for sure, for me, Philip's death itself Mm -hmm. was the most impactful and Like both of you have already gotten choked up. So I um, will just join, join the crew here. But every time I think about it, when she is there with him and she is counting with him as if he's a child, you know, as if he's a baby again, or a little child, I just think it reminded me a lot actually of Tommy Orange's There, There Mm, and the end of that book. I mean, it was that same really impactful feeling of like in that moment, time is endless even though it's ending, you know, like his life is ending, but it's that feeling of like, those things are what endure. And I think it was just really beautiful. It was really powerful. Also that she could be in that moment with Mm -hmm. him and had not yet, like Sarah said, I mean, there's, there is, it's painful and it's quiet uptown, but there is also reconciliation and like they come to find comfort in each other. And at that moment, she does not have that, you know, she has realized that Hamilton knew and it's very much her and her son and so I think it was that also that like you know Hamilton is there and yet he's not there at all for her and she is alone with her child who is dying. I mean I just think it's a parent's worst, mm-hmm. worst nightmare and I think they really demonstrate that in the play. But it is also just that really tender moment of her rising above herself to be there for her child that I just mm-hmm. think is really remarkable yeah. and and yeah. really well demonstrated. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Jen? What's your most emotional moment?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to say it's quiet uptown, but since that one's been covered, I will say I really, really love the way after Hamilton's death, we see Eliza and she says she puts herself back in the narrative and we see that she devotes the rest of her life to making a difference and to serving her country in the way that she knew Hamilton wanted to do it. And I think we have to be realistic about gender roles at the time. And so, and she had, I forget how many children, I think like 15 kids. I mean, she had a lot of children and, but the way that she was able to build the Washington Monument, start an orphanage, the way, yeah, just, there were so many things that she did in memory of Hamilton, but also she did those for herself. And so I think putting herself back in the narrative, I, yeah, I will say I cry like a baby and I cry in more scenes. Every, every time (laughs) I watch it, I like add a scene that I cry through. (laughs) So this time at the end, so she sings and then she goes up and that gasp at the end when she's looking out. So the audience, <laughs> I broke down for that one this time. That was a new one for me, but I just thought there's so much in that. And I was reading online, these different interpretations, you know, some people think that she sees God. Some people think that she's seeing Alexander again. Some people think it's her realizing that her story has been told through this play. And I love all of those interpretations. I just think, they're beautiful. And Miranda struggled for a long time with how to end the play. And finally, he hit on the fact that he needed to end it with Eliza. And Ron Chernow, who wrote the book on which this play is based, was watching all these dry runs of the play and when he read that's what he did in his book, too. The ending is what Eliza accomplished. And when he he turned to Miranda and said, "You gave the end to Eliza." And so I just think, I love that. I love that idea that she, in some way, gets recognition for all of the things that she did. So, all right. We're going to do our last category, which is favorite song. And Ashley, what is your favorite song? So this one actually
1: was the hardest for me to choose just because I feel like one run through is definitely not sufficient for picking. And I also loved how a lot of them, I mean, as is true of many musicals, a lot of them thread throughout the play. And so in that sense, it was, it made it harder for me, like a scene was easier to choose than a song, but I'm going to go with my shot. And I think that what I really loved about that each in each rendition is that it celebrates the part of Hamilton that is so remarkable as uh, him as a person, and the way that he is going to do whatever it takes to take action, and to be there and to do the thing. And so like, I really love that. And I again, it ties into the thematic parts I've talked about with the way that it was a celebration of the setting and the era and the way that... So I think that I also like how that song encapsulates that part, that people in America, as the revolution was happening, saw it as a chance to take their shot and to make a change and to break away from England. And so I like the connection between him as a charismatic person who does, in fact, help to bring about that change, but also the larger changes that were taking place in America at the time. Mm -hmm. So...
2: Yay, that's such a good choice too. Okay, Sarah, how about you?
0: Oh, this was so hard for me because, I mean, I love so many songs. So I will just say that when I first, th- what made me finally watch the show on Disney Plus was our boss at work posted something with from Jimmy Fallon where they did the home like the home zoom and all the all the cast from Ham, the original Hamilton sang helpless and i was like oh my gosh i love this song so much so i love helpless so that was kind of like my gateway so i'm going to go with the skylar sisters because of again like it's our introduction to eliza and angelica and i find myself singing that one the most cuz i'm always like the revolutions happening you know so i just think that the, the revolutions happening and the greatest city in the world and so i just i just just think that that kind of gets in your gets in your bones and you have to sing it. And I just really like that song. So I'm just going to go with the song that I enjoy singing much to the chagrin of my family because I do not have a good <laughs> singing voice, but it's stuck. It's, it stuck with me more than uh, some of the other ones. So I, I like that one.
2: What about you, Jen? What's your favorite? So again, moving target for me, but I'm going to go with wait for it. I think first of all, Leslie Odom Jr. is Just remarkable. And I think, so he won the Tony for best actor in a musical the year that this won the best musical. And that was before I had seen it all the way through. And so I was sort of indignant on behalf of Lin-Manuel Miranda because I wanted him to win all the things. But after having watched it, I understand because I think that performance, he he is balancing on a line so fine because you have to feel empathy for him and really dislike him. And I used to listen to this podcast called The Room Where It's Happening, and it was all about Hamilton. And every episode, the host would ask people if they were Hamiltons or Burrs. <laughs> and I have to, I'm a Burr, and I don't want to be a Burr. Like there, are, <laughs> like, there are things about him that I so dislike, but I am definitely a Burr. And so when he sings Wait For It, I almost wanted to do The Room Where It Happens, because I think that is another, that is just his breakout song. It is so amazing but Wait For It just embodies, every, you know, there's always an I Want song in a musical. His I Want song is so powerful. And I mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago about the song Exploder about Hamilton, and this is the song that they analyze. And Lin-Manuel Miranda and Alex Lackamore, who arranged the music, talk about the the sonic choices that they make, the way they make it sound sort of like a radio song, the way they build anticipation and then don't go there so that you feel the same repression that that Burr is feeling and that the song is being held back in the same way that Burr is constantly holding himself back. And I think, I mean, that's just one thing I admire from top to bottom of the show, that every choice was a collaborative effort between Miranda Alex Lackamore, the director, Tommy Kail, the choreographer, whose name I can't remember now and I feel bad, but it Ron Chernow was in there with the history and saying, well, this historical change that you're making is wrong, but I can see why you want to do it for dramatic effect. I mean, I just think the number of brains that worked on every choice created this masterpiece. And I love hearing them talk about bouncing ideas off of each other and Lin-Manuel Miranda saying he was having writer's block and he was on the subway and he was going to a party and right as he knocked on the door, he knew what he had to do for wait for it. And so he said, Hey, and and went back home and wrote the song. So I just think like, I love stories like that. And just the creative process I'm always fascinated by. And so to hear those in-depth stories about how a song like this is built and how it epitomizes this whole character and then to see Leslie Odom Jr., who I could listen to, all day long. But to see him act that out on stage, and you can see the way he's holding himself back, even physically, like he hardly moves on that stage during the song. And then you see him in the room where it happens. He's all over the place. And so I just think the pairing of those two songs as his big showpieces is so brilliant to show the character change he's trying to make, and then what happens as a result. So yeah, so long explanation, but that is, yeah, that's why I picked Wait For It. I just think there's so much talent. I mean,
0: I love that song. Yeah. that's And I mean, he, his delivery of that is amazing. I love, I love, it just, it's so hard to pick a song. I just love them all because they're all so perfect for that particular
2: part in the play. So it's just, you know. Well, and I kind of hate, I feel like we always do this. And for the longest time, I was so much a fan of the first act. But then there's all this, we have hardly talked about act two. And I think it's interesting because, you know, the arc of it is that act one is the excitement and act two is the hard work of building. And, and you feel that you, and so I think that's why in some ways it's easier to talk about act one, but act two, there's so much that's emotionally resonant. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do a sequel episode one day. We'll talk about act two. Um, So I think we are going to wrap it up. I will just say, all right, Ashley, when you watch it again, watch for the bullet. So there is one of the dancers represents the bullet that is coming for Alexander Hamilton from the beginning of the play. And if you watch her through the play, she is always approaching him and dancing nearer to him. And then she's the one who grabs the bullet from Burr's gun and then meets Hamilton.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That We didn't talk about that scene, but that scene, the way they portrayed the duel, and I just thought that was phenomenal. I did, too.
1: And I I think it goes back to what you said about Burr and how I think that they do such a great job of making us feel empathy for Burr, Mm -hmm. even in that moment. And I think that's really remarkable Mm -hmm. because we know what Hamilton intended to do, and we know what Burr did. right. And even then, we can see how he suffers because mm-hmm. of that choice and how he's sorry for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's
0: really remarkable. Well, I think it, it, that play for me, because I mean, I think about in in school, what you learn about Aaron Burr. And the only thing that you learn about him is that he shot Alexander Hamilton. I mean, that is it in a duel. And the play and the way that Leslie Odom Jr. portrays him brings this humanity to him that, that, I mean, I think that that will last for generations, oh, yeah. you know, for other people, people who continually watch this play will know more about him mm-hmm. now because, because La manuel Miranda wrote this hugely phenomenal, popular stage show that now people, I mean, it's kind of changed the course of history and what we're going to know about Burr. Yeah. Yeah. And same with
1: like Jefferson, like Jen said before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that this is not the only, I mean, I think about stamped, like this Mm -hmm. is not the only narrative out there now questioning some of the assumptions that we've made about Jefferson, but certainly this shows points Mm -hmm. toward the complexities. I mean, of Washington as well, but definitely of Jefferson, we see more of the complexities of his character and what that meant and how all that played out, like how Hamilton did affirm him as a choice, even though he hated him and why he made those choices. I think all of that really just helps people see that history
2: is complicated. Mm -hmm. There was in that Robin Roberts interview, I was talking about, they were taking questions and this boy who was white said, I want to be a white ally. What can I do? And Leslie Odom Jr. said, what this play does is we look at history through such a narrow iris and it's been focused for so long on white men. And then this show broadens it a little bit. So we think about the people of color, we think about the women. And he said, but we have to realize that we need to keep broadening it. And so you have to do your research. This is the starting point for history. There's this is two and a half hours of something that's very complicated. So this is not the end either. You've got to keep digging and keep learning more. And over and over in that interview, they just kept saying, this is the starting point. Like. This can't be the end of it. This is the starting point of really understanding where we came from, of thinking about it in a new way, of privileging stories that maybe we haven't heard before. And so I thought that was really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I love that. I want to say one more thing. I just want to say that. When Jonathan Groff comes out as King George, like, <laughs> I thought about that, Sarah, when you were
1: talking about the levity and, like, oh, the moments yeah. of levity, like, that every, I mean, every time
0: was, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so we I always listening to the soundtrack in the car with the soundtrack in the car with my children and so it's the first rendition it and it's basically my son is my son said did he just say he's gonna kill his friends and family you know and I said yes and so I, but I mean it does it, it's kind of shocking mm-hmm. but then it gives you the opportunity to talk about you know what was happening and why why King George is saying that mm-hmm. and what is happening in America at that time. But he has <laughs> such a small like he's not out there very often, but when he comes out and is so I don't know, he's just perfect. Mm-hmm. I I love that. That was one of the times
1: where I really appreciated the filming of mm-hmm. the life. I- production because of course you would not have been able to see I mean I could have watched that part where he is where there's like spittle (laughs) (laughs) and he had clearly worked through that so many times just to give this perfect delivery spit included uh, Uh (laughs) of the the lines and I just loved that and thought if I were in the back of the theater I would not get to appreciate up close and personal what his facial expression and his you know spit (laughs) is
0: Yeah. So what what was that? That and he was wild eyes, yes. you know, the wild eyes. And when he's like, awesome, wow, you know. And when the crown the- has that little, like, the sort of <laughs>
1: dancer part on the top. I mean, I just loved I mean, it was absurd. It was absurd, uh-huh. but it also speaks to it, also gives commentary on the monarchy yeah. and the system of a monarchy, and also on what kind of power England had yeah. over America at the time. I mean, yeah.
2: yeah, that has always been my younger son's favorite. And I will just say for my older son, his favorite has always been Guns and Ships. And he worked very hard to be able to deliver that rap with David Diggs. And yeah, oh
1: well, where Sarah was talking about him before. And like, I think what is striking to me is how different he is as Lafayette and Jefferson. Uh-huh. And yeah. also how both of them are so ostentatious and hilarious and flamboyant. I mean, they just like both those characters are so out loud. Mm -hmm. And yet they're so Mm -hmm. different from each other. And I just thought that was phenomenal.
2: All right. Well, I feel like each of us has like 10 more things on her list that we would like to share, but we're going to call it quits there and finish with our give me one. And this is give me one thing you want to accomplish before the new year. Sarah, how about you?
0: (laughs) I, When I saw this on our episode sheet, I, was, I thought I just want to make it to the end. <laughs> I mean, in terms of not—that sounds very—that sounds dark. I just mean like get my family to where we need to be and, uh, and provide food and care for them. Mm-hmm. But yep. I, <laughs> I think that that is a day to yes. day, day to day
1: struggle right now. So yeah. <laughs>
0: So, but I think the one thing that I want to accomplish before the end of the year is I, (laughs) I want to try to make a plan to be more organized. And I want to do that now because my organization skills are very lacking. And I keep trying all these different things and nothing is working. And I'm just a very... I mean, I'm just a very unorganized person and I want to try to figure out a system so that I can start the new year off fresh. So that's mine. So if you have any ideas, go ahead and hit me up on the socials.
2: (laughs) That is a great goal. Ashley, how about you?
0: Yeah, I
1: was thinking that my list of things I would like to accomplish is actually very long. (laughs) (laughs) And the reality is that the day-to-day struggle of making sure that our entire family gets from point A to point B, which might just be out of bed and back to bed, all without any disasters, is pretty difficult. So I am going to go with a photo album. I would like to get one photo album, one, done before the end of the year. I'm a couple of years behind. And so... (laughs) Every time I try to do it, as is true of most things that I get behind on, I like, like, so I'm relatively organized, but if I get behind, it's a disaster and I just can't start. I just can't start. Starting is hard for me. And so I just, that's where I am with this. And so I want to get one done. What about you, Jen? What's
2: yours? Mine is right along the same line. So before I started back to school, we did manage to, my younger son is, is my messy son. And we managed to clean his room. And he got rid of a lot of things. We donated a lot of things. I was very proud. And he said with his extra space, he wanted to make an art station. And that was in August. So mm-hmm. before the end of the year, and I will say the stuff has now somehow reappeared in our house and reaccumulated so that that space is now gone. But I think it it will be easy to clear it out again. But by the end of the year, I would love to help him put together the art station that we promised back in August. So yeah, survival day today. I feel like is everyone's unstated goal. So I'll state it. But yes, I do think art station for my kiddo. All right. Well, we would love, love, love to know what you think of Hamilton. You can share trivia. You can share your own watching or rewatching story. And we thank you so much for listening.
0: Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them.
1: You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us.
2: We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.